Hello and welcome to the Amateur Austenite. My name is Frances Duncan. Today we're going to be discussing chapter 36 of Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen and my very special guest today is my sister Paula. Hello! So chapter 36, Lizzie thinks about the letter she received from Darcy in chapter 35. And it's such a wrestle. The whole thing is just an inner monologue, just her thinking about the letter and is it true and why and how could it be true yeah the whole chapter is her walking around and thinking she does exclaim out loud this must be false this cannot be this must be the grossest falsehood but i think that is her only speech and oh no wait how despicably have i acted i who have prided myself on my discernment okay there's a really long paragraph actually where she does speak i'm not gonna read the whole thing <laughs> Is she actually speaking or is that just her She cried. She cried. So she actually says it. But yeah, it's funny that we both had this impression that it's all just her thinking without her saying anything because she's not talking to anyone. I guess she was out in the middle of the countryside and no one was going to hear her. Uh, It's not like she was in the middle of a, a town or a city. And sometimes the best conversations are the ones you have with yourself. Well, I think at that point she probably did need to have a conversation with herself. Well, she needed to talk to somebody. She still hasn't told Charlotte anything. And that's what I was thinking about as I was rereading the chapter this afternoon, that she hasn't talked to her best friend about it still. And she's out there for two hours wrestling over this letter. And she does it by herself completely. I just am quite amazed by that because I'm a thinker by talking (laughs) so I was quite impressed by the fact that she could spend two hours just thinking to herself and it sounds like also you know talking to herself (laughs) but I guess that kind of links into what we've been talking about in previous weeks when we were talking about how she didn't confide in people and um, she did keep her cards quite close to her chest and so one way of doing that is being able to think through things on your own i think it was probably um a really good thing for women in this period of time to be able to do yes particularly if um you were a well-to-do woman because you perhaps may have been the only one in your household who was uh of your station Mm. And, and that's why, you know, Elizabeth stays for so long with Charlotte because it takes a long time to get there. Plus Charlotte's so isolated as so many women were. Poor Charlotte. It must be hard. Well, you know. Well, she does seem happy. Yeah. And what's that saying about making your bed and lying in it? So I've been reading The Other Bennett Sister and it shows a whole new side of Charlotte and I'm it was really, really good. Yeah, I might have to read it. Yeah. After I finish reading my thrillers with all the blood and guts different yeah so we've got the letter and the reactions to the letter are separated which allows the letter to stand for itself and then it means we can have our own reactions alongside elizabeth yes and help us digest the letter better because as it goes through presumably the first time you read this it's quite shocking and you're not sure whether to believe it and elizabeth has the same reaction and she reads and rereads the letter before she decides that she's actually going to believe it Yes, and then she stops and thinks about, well, what actually did Wickham do and say and how did his actions match his words? And, you know, that's what we're always told, that you need to look at how somebody acts rather than what they say. 
and she realizes that she is now struck with the impropriety of such communication to a stranger and wondered if it had escaped her before. She remembered that he had boasted of having no fear of seeing Mr. Darcy, yet he had avoided the Netherfield Ball the very next week. He told his story to no one but herself, but after their removal, the Netherfield party, it was everywhere discussed, though he had assured her that respect for the father would never prevent his exposing the son. She's able to look at Wickham's actions and realise that perhaps Darcy could be telling the truth. It takes her some time because she doesn't want to believe it. Yes. I mean, she's been so prejudiced against Mr Darcy for such a long time that it does become hard to change that in her head. And she even says that about herself. Or does Austin say it? About her being prejudiced. With a strong prejudice against everything he might say, she began his account of what happened at Netherfield. But I think she had that saying about Jane. But I think she was also prejudiced against him when it came to Mr Wickham. Um, when it comes to Mr Wickham, it says it was impossible not to feel that there was gross duplicity on one side of the or the other. And for a few moments, she flattered herself that her wishes did not hear, that she still wanted to believe Mr Wickham. Yes. Just for a little. And that's when she says, this must be false, this cannot be, this must be the grossest falsehood. Thinking about what Darcy says about Wickham. But she's great. Um, she It says, commanded herself so far as to examine the meaning of every sentence. So she does make herself go back through and pull it apart and really think about it. Which I think takes a lot of self-control. I know when I get something that is emotional I tend to read it very quickly and then react and talk about it rather than slowing down and reading back over it again and I think that Austin has done that because it does show the maturity of Elizabeth and we talked a few weeks ago about a turning point for Darcy Mm -hmm. him coming and proposing and then having to write the letter and explain himself and I and we talked about that being a turning point for him and I think this is a turning point for her because she does actually stop herself and make herself consider the letter. So, you know, Austin has both of these characters in the very middle of the novel change or mature, I guess, develop. I think the letter, the rereading, it really gives her time to absorb the message, whereas if he had come and said this in person, she still would have had her prejudice up against him and wouldn't have been able to hear what he was saying. So it was great that um, Austen used a letter for this particular part of the novel. It becomes more believable that she has time to stop and think it through and digest it and go back and read and reread bits. But it's quite shocking to think that this is just over halfway through the novel mm-hmm. and she's just starting to learn who Darcy is and Darcy's just starting to open up to her yet there's still another half of the novel to go and I think I'm not sure if it was last week or the week before we were talking about the modern novel you know this would be very very close to the end of a modern novel suddenly they would um, see each other and fall into bed together and then that would be the end Whereas in this novel, we still have another whole storyline to go. The, the, the arc of Lydia and Wickham's story still has to come in. So it's a much more complicated plot than um, most of your modern novels. No offence to any modern authors who may 
listen to this <laughs> somehow I doubt it very much but that's okay but this the the novel um when it was first written was brought out in is it serial is that the word in three volumes um but they also did it in in magazines and they put out right oh novels in general yeah not Pride and Prejudice no though. oh sorry not Pride and Prejudice itself um, they put novels out uh, in, in a serial form, so they did, brought out a bit at a time. And so when the novel first came out, it was a lot more complex than it is now. Almost like a TV series now, I guess. Mm. Does anyone watch TV series anymore, though? Yes, they watch them all on Netflix. Exactly. And that all, in general, all comes out at once. Yeah. Unlike Lightbox, which is leaving, which actually could be gone by the time this podcast goes out. Um, which has uh, one episode a week on some of the ep- of some of the series coming up, and I actually quite like that. I quite like that anticipation. I think partly because that's what I grew up with, but also I I like the waiting, the oh, what is going to happen next, and and having to wait for it. There's something quite nice in that anticipation. So you don't like binging. Oh, let's not go that far. Okay. Anyway, my main point was, sorry, I've done it again, haven't I? You need to stop having me on your podcast so you just talk about Jane Austen. But my main point is that we're halfway through the novel and these two have started to develop and we still have, you know, almost half a novel to go before they actually come together and have a conversation with each other um, where they reveal their feelings and they get married. And there's not even sex at the end of the novel. No, and there won't be. Well, no, because it's written. <laughs> Unlike Sanditon. Where there is, I swear there's like a naked person in every episode of Sanditon or some sort of nudity. Yes, because Andrew Davies was like, how do I get people in the 21st century to like Jane Austen? Oh, I'll give them what they used to, flesh. Anyway... <laughs> <laughs> She... And this will be my last week. <laughs> <laughs> Lizzie talks about Wickham. As to his real character, had information been in her power, she had never felt a wish of inquiring. His countenance, voice, and manner had established him at once in possession of every virtue. He had every charm of air and address, and the regard which his social powers had gained him in the good mess. That's all she knew about him. All she knew was this public persona. But she believed that better than Darcy. To start with, at least. To start with, yeah. Because then you look at Darcy's public persona was not great. No, that's right. Um, But then she's now seen Darcy within his family sphere as well and heard about him from Lady Catherine de Bourgh and from Colonel Fitzwilliam. So she's actually building a better picture of him than she has of Wickham, which, you know, helps her to work out who he is and because she says you know she could go and ask Colonel Fitzwilliam if this was true but she realizes that he wouldn't have said it if it wasn't true because she he would know that she could go and ask Fitzwilliam. It's really sweet at the end of the chapter when Colonel Fitzwilliam stays for an hour waiting to say his goodbyes to her. She could but affect concern in missing him she but she really rejoices that Colonel Fitzwilliam was no longer an object Yes. And she could only she could think only of her letter. So she's sort of given up Colonel Fitzwilliam and she's more interested in Darcy, really, at this point. The letter links her back to Darcy. Yes. But maybe it's just the trauma of the whole thing. 
maybe she's just uh, not thinking about herself as a as a woman to be proposed to but instead thinking about the letter and how wrong she's been um, in circumstances and how her family and their behavior has caused such heartache for Jane. Poor Jane. Yeah, you do feel really sorry for her. So one of the things that I realized reading The Other Bennett Sister, which I know this broadcast is not a review of, but I will write a review of, um, is that Bingley only likes Jane because she's beautiful. And that makes me feel a little bit, a little bit of dislike for Mr. Bingley and a little bit of sadness for Jane that someone likes her purely because she's beautiful. That's what, at least that's the thing that starts his attraction to her, but we don't see any else. We don't see any depth to their relationship past that. Doesn't he say something about sweetness at some stage? Possibly he does. So the quote that we found, Mr. Bingley had never met with pleasanter people or pretty girls in his life, and as to Miss Bennet, he could not conceive an angel more beautiful. Mrs. Hurst and her sister allowed it to be so. They admired her and liked her and pronounced her to be a sweet girl and one whom they should not object to know more of. That's from chapter four. They haven't really said anything else about her, just that she's pretty, really. Yeah, and I guess in those days, that's one of the things they had to go on, that and how accomplished you were, and being able to play the piano forte didn't make you a good person did it no but that's how they did it mind you these days you know you can put a nice photo on a dating app and people will want to contact you about that not that i use dating apps i actually have no idea what i'm talking about okay <laughs> so <laughs> this is the best podcast ever this is the best i am just talking completely i'm gonna rubbish. keep it all in too no. <laughs> so both pride and prejudice are mentioned in the chapter. I always get very excited when they are. Um, Lizzie refers to Mr. Darcy's style as pride and insolence. But then later she says of neither Darcy nor Wickham could she think without feeling that she had been blind, partial, prejudiced, observed. Yes. Absurd. So she's identifying herself as prejudiced and him as prideful. Yes, is true, but then they both have the opposite as well. What did you think? Did you think it was a funny chapter? No. Not funny this time around? No, it's a bit disappointing and it's lack of funniness. No, it, it wasn't funny. It was a bit, you know, I don't know, I was going to say it was a bit boring, but that's because I've read it before. When you first read it, it's quite interesting to watch her go through everything and try and figure it out. But now it's just kind of like, ah, oh, yeah, figure it out, Elizabeth. Come on, let's get on with it. Um, yeah, definitely not funny. <laughs> okay. And that is our summary of Chapter 36 of Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. My name is Frances Duncan. You can find me at francisduncanwrites.com and on Twitter at Francis underscore Duncan. Thank you for listening, and we wish you happy reading. Just popping back in to let you guys know that we have merch now. I haven't actually got merch with my face on it. That seems a little weird to me. But if you really want it, let me know and I'll do that. There's merch of 
the Jane Austen Society of Aotearoa New Zealand's logo, uh, some Jane Austen merch, and some Pride and Prejudice heavily Pride-focused merch too. It's on Redbubble and the link is in the notes. Happy buying!